This is Global Tennessee, news analysis and commentary from the Tennessee World Affairs Council in Nashville. Global Tennessee is produced in association with the Center for International Business at Belmont University and the International Business Council of the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce. The World Affairs Council is a nonpartisan, nonprofit educational association, and the views expressed on Global Tennessee are those of the participants. This is Global Tennessee. I'm Pat Ryan from the Tennessee World Affairs Council. Thanks for listening today. We have a special program for you today with uh, two interviews that uh, I believe you're really going to enjoy as as we talk about uh, the soft side of international affairs and travel and music and culture and and things that make uh, the world a more interesting place. In our second segment, we're going to talk with Lisette Diaz, the lead singer of the Sweet Lizzie Project Band, which originated in Havana, Cuba, and uh, about a year or so ago, they, they moved to Nashville, Tennessee, where they are making music, uh, producing albums and videos, and uh, appearing live at Nashville destinations and traveling around the country. So uh, stay, uh, stay with us for that second segment. I think you're really going to enjoy our conversation uh, with Sweet Lizzie and uh, listen to a couple of tracks of, uh, of their music. Uh, but first, we're uh, extremely pleased to, to bring a conversation uh, with you uh, with Ron Madra, a renowned photographer who has uh, spent uh, 25 years with Sports Illustrated and has a fantastic 70-plus uh, covers of Sports Illustrated magazine. And uh, for those who, uh, who grew up walking past newsstands, uh, I'm sure that uh, you will... Uh, enjoy hearing some of the conversation about the athletes that Ron has met uh, over the years. Uh, first, uh, I've got a little quiz for you. Mickey Mantle, Tiger Woods, Muhammad Ali, Tom Brady, Derek Jeter, Sugar Ray Leonard, Nolan Ryan, Lawrence Taylor, Dan Marino, Brett Favre, riding on a motorcycle, Pete Rose, Deion Sanders, Jackie Joyner-Kersey, Willie Mays, I could go on and on, but uh, the question is, what do all these people have in common? And the, the answer is they've all been uh, at the other end of, uh, of the lens of uh, Ron Madra, who is a uh, Nashville uh, resident and uh, internationally traveled uh, sports photographer and travel photographer, and uh, he's done quite a number of photography projects in addition to his 25 years at Sports Illustrated. And he's here today to talk with us about uh, his uh, background in sports photography, international photography, uh, a contest that the World Affairs Council has coming up, and some workshops that he's doing. So, uh, Ron, uh, welcome to Global Tennessee, and thanks for coming. Well, thanks for having me, Pat. I'm glad to be here. Now, uh, we'll mention from the, the outset here that, uh, that listeners... Uh, who have uh, their computer in front of them should uh, should go to Ron uh, Ronald C Madra dot com and go through some of the galleries there because we're going to be talking about uh, some of the photography that you've done that that's displayed there but also donsmithphotography dot com and we're going to be talking about some of the landscape photography and the workshops that are there these uh, these links will be in the podcast notes but first let's uh, let's start with a little bit about uh, your background you're a Wisconsin guy uh, born and raised uh, a couple hours north of Green Bay and in, yes. in, in the real cold country and uh, tell us about uh, growing up in, in that area becoming a, a dyed-in-the-wool uh, packer uh, guy and and uh, how you got uh, interested in photography well, growing up in Wisconsin, you are a, uh, a Green Bay Packer fan by birth, and uh, so that that's always uh, uh, never leaves you. So, uh, I still am a hardcore Packer fan till this day. Um, I got into photography as a as a young man when uh, working for my father, who had a you know, small printing company, and working with him, I started to shoot um, color separations for the printing business, and so uh, that was my my first introduction into into photography, but I always uh, enjoyed still photography, and I, I, I never at that point had thought about making a career out of it. I was um, not quite sure what I was going to do, and uh, but that was my first introduction, was working with my dad uh, for a number of years, um, doing color separations. So that, that was my, uh, my start. And then you uh, were drafted into the Army? Yes, I was drafted into the Army in 1968. I went to Vietnam with the 1st uh, Cavalry Division, and I served a tour of duty over there, and uh, which I'm 
quite proud of, and uh, I finished up my military career at Fort Benning, Georgia. Well, we thank you for your, your service in, uh, in Vietnam and uh, combat tour. Yes. Uh, and uh, we certainly uh, appreciate the sacrifice of you and the, those who, uh, who fought there. Thank you. And, okay, now connect the dots from uh, getting out of the Army and, and uh, getting into photography in a professional way. Well, when I got out of the Army, um, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, so I, I was uh, uh, considering going back into the printing business, uh, shooting color separations again, and then um, I started to take a few uh, classes in photography. I started to do some shooting on my own, and uh, I, I showed my work to a small newspaper um, outside of Milwaukee. and. Um, uh, they started to publish some of my sports pictures, and so I just kind of progressed from there. I, I uh, kind of worked my way up the ladder from a, a small newspaper to a little bigger one. And then uh, in 73, 1973, I, I, I was asked to be the team photographer for the Milwaukee Brewers, and I took that job. And I was, I was uh, working with, with all of the, the, the team people there. And, and, and in 1975, um, a gentleman named Herb Scharfman came to Milwaukee to photograph uh, a story on Hank Aaron for Sports Illustrated. And so as the uh, team photographer for the Brewers, it was my job to uh, make sure that Herb was taken care of. And, um, and so I, I, I did all that. And then at one point, I asked Herb if he would take a look at some of my images and uh, let me know if he thought you know, if I had uh, the makings of maybe working at Sports Illustrated, and Herbie was gracious enough to do that. And uh, he became my mentor and, and, and an extremely close friend um, uh, to me. And that's how it started. And then uh, John Dominus, the director of photography, used me on a couple small assignments. And uh, then in, in uh, 1978, he, he put me on contract and then later on staff. So. That was kind of the uh, progression, um, kind of right place, right time um, sort of scenario. And so, uh, and then I enjoyed uh, 25 great years working there. Do you remember your first cover? I sure do. That's the first one's the most important <laughs> one. And I actually shot it at, uh, was Barry Sims of the Detroit Lions, and I shot it at Milwaukee County Stadium on an extremely overcast, windy, rainy day. Uh, but it was the, uh, it was I can't begin to describe the thrill of when you when you see that first image of yours on the cover. Um, the first one's the most important one. You can have 70, you can have 100, but it's the first one that you always remember. Did you know it was going to be on the cover when you shot it? No, no I didn't. Um, I didn't even know that that particular assignment was going to be a cover assignment. I was working with two other photographers, uh, two great photographers, John Iacono and Heinz Glutmeier. And... Uh, they were longtime staff photographers there, and to, to come out of the, the, the game with that with the cover was uh, just an incredible thrill for me, and it's one I'll never forget. Highlight. Now, now you've, you've met hundreds of athletes in, in your time at Sports Illustrated, and, and I'm sure you have, uh, I know you, you told me you have uh, a score of Mickey Mantle stories, and you probably have some other stories. Can you, can you share, what's, what's your favorite anecdote from... Uh, rubbing shoulders with professional athletes that those among us who have grown up loving sports uh, know all these people from afar? Well, I think what it is is that at, at um, you know, I, I came up through the ranks uh, even even when I was working at the Brewers and I, I was, uh, um, not, I hate to say using rubber shoulders, but I was with, you know, guys like George Brett and Robin Yount and uh, Ozzie Smith and, and uh, a lot of these guys. And so I, uh, you know, being around at the, uh, uh, all those years, you know, you, you got to know him on, a, on somewhat of a personal level. I got to know, uh, and I'm still friends today with Rich Gossage, uh, the Goose. Uh, he and I are still friends to this day. And so um, I think that, um, like, like there's so many, many uh, different stories, but I think a couple that really stick out is um, um, going to uh, Czechoslovakia with Martina Nevertilova, working with Rich Gossage as, at his ranch, uh, working with Nolan Ryan, Ryan down in Texas, and um, I think that those are those are just some things that I that I just really really cherish. And so um, um, I'll never forget working with some of those people, and frankly, just the way they treated me, they they just were just really great people. Yeah, that's uh, that's terrific. And, and tell us the story of uh, Thanksgiving dinner at Gordy Howe. Uh, the legendary hockey player, his his 
home for Thanksgiving? Well, I was working on a, a Sports Illustrated story on his son, Mark, and uh, who was playing with the, uh, the Flyers at that time, I believe. And so uh, we, we were working on the story in Detroit, and I was in the locker room uh, after the game, and then um, Gordy asked me what I was doing the next day for Thanksgiving, and I told him that I was most likely just going to stay at the hotel and have room service and he looked at me and says no you are not you are having a thanksgiving dinner with us and so there i was at the dinner table with gordy howe cover cutting turkey for me wow it was pretty it was pretty surreal yeah one you know those among us who follow hockey uh, the predators and and all the nhl and and understand the uh, the significance of gordy howe to the sport I really envy that that opportunity to to get up close and personal with that guy. Um, in addition to your SI coverage, you've, you've got uh, a, a portfolio. And, and again, uh, um, for those of you who have a chance to take a look at uh, Ron's uh, website, uh, take a look at uh, ronaldcmadra.com. And the galleries there, uh, action photos, uh, blues photos. Um, talk a little bit about uh, some of the, uh, the photography that uh, that you've amassed there, both uh, in terms of, uh, of of the sports photography that uh, people can look at there, but also the uh, the music photos, uh, the blues photos. Uh, talk a little bit about that and how, uh, in in the still photo, you can capture the emotion of people. Uh, it just just incredible. Some of the people that, that are in your galleries are are uh, obviously. Uh, celebrities that people will know who they are but uh, you uh, you also did some photography of lesser known musicians but uh, clearly uh, you've captured uh, a, a human spirit that uh, that we can all relate to well I think that uh, I, was, I was always interested in music and, and blues music in particular uh, I've always loved uh, you know uh, people like BB King and, and Pine Top Perkins and, and some of these guys and so um, I always wanted to uh, work on a personal project uh, on these blues musicians. Not that, that I was breaking any new ground or anything like that. I mean, this is this this has been done before, but I just wanted to do it um, in kind of my style of photography. And so um, I launched into it, and um, it, it, it is it's a fascinating world. And a lot of these guys have been kicking around for many many years. Um, their stories are fantastic, and. Um, uh, and and their music is is uh, really 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 terrific. And then it, it, just their faces, their hands, their expressions. I mean, it's just uh, it's so much to capture uh, um, in their performances that uh, really um, really equate into a, a, a great black and white image. And so uh, I've been working on that for a few years. I hope to turn it into a book project. And um, it's uh, it's a real passion of mine. Speaking of book projects, you've also produced a couple of uh, coffee table books on, on baseball. I did. I did my first one in uh, the mid-90s called Reflections of the Game. That was my first book I did. Um, I had some uh, great people working on that, uh, particularly Bob Costas, who I've known for many years. Bob did the uh, did the forward uh, for me in that. And then um, just uh, two years ago, I did uh, a, a coffee table book called A, a Baseball Life, and that encompassed my 40 years of photographing Major League Baseball, and uh, we organized it by decades. Again, Bob Costas was involved, and then uh, uh, Mr. Bud Selig, the commissioner, um, did the uh, introduction, and then I had some of the great Sports Illustrated writers like Peter Gammons, uh, Tim Kirchin, Tom Berducci, Lee Monfell, um, all did essays to lead off each one of the decades uh, that I worked in. So uh, that was out uh, a couple of years ago, and so I was really proud of that project. Well, some incredible work. And again, uh, take a look at uh, ronaldcmadra.com for uh, the galleries there that you can uh, browse through and, and see some uh, truly incredible uh, photography that was uh, Ron's uh, legacy at Sports Illustrated and, and beyond. We're going to uh, continue. Uh, we'll shift gears here. We're going to talk a little bit about international travel and travel photography. But first, I just want to remind everyone, this is Global Tennessee, the podcast of the Tennessee World Affairs Council. You can get more information about the World Affairs Council at tnwac.org. We hope you'll uh, consider becoming a member, uh, looking at our calendar of events. And uh, if you're interested in what we do and like to support our, our work, 
Uh, we would appreciate uh, your financial support. We are a nonprofit organization and rely on the, our members and contributors uh, for what we bring to the community. Uh, we're talking with uh, Ron Madra, and he is a renowned professional photographer, 25 years with Sports Illustrated, 70 Sports Illustrated covers, quite a, uh, a collection of work. But uh, a lot of your travel, Ron, uh, a lot of your work has involved travel internationally, uh, both uh, with SI and uh, on other projects. Uh, uh, before we get into your workshops and projects, uh, international travel for SI, what, what uh, sticks out in your mind is there I was and... Well, what sticks out in my mind are uh, uh, back in the day, we were able to travel first class, which was really quite... Uh, quite nice when we were doing our international travel and I actually at one point uh, uh, flew back from Paris to New York on the Concorde. Uh, so that, that was uh, kind of some of the things we did. But the international travel with Sports Illustrated was fantastic. All the assignments that we did either um, with individuals or events uh, like the World Track and Field Games or all the Olympics that we did um, really uh, had, had led me to the, the international travel because I, I had never really uh, uh, done any kind of traveling outside of the United States until I started working for the magazine, and so I was really uh, fortunate to uh, be able to travel all over South America and Europe um, and Asia and down to Australia and, and New Zealand. So uh, um, it was it was it was fantastic. It was an absolute um, it was an absolute thrill, and um, I, I enjoyed every minute of it. Now um, you you had uh, some travel to China with. Uh uh, with uh, Fred, uh, Frank DeFord. Yeah, Frank DeFord. Frank and I were um, in China together for a couple of weeks um, working on a project. Uh, sports Illustrated was doing a, a special edition on Chinese sports. We had a number of writers and photographers over there. Frank and I were teamed up, and uh, we did a uh, just really amazing uh, train trip through the interior of, of China uh, going to these little gymnastic schools. And so Frank and I... Um, boarded the train and we we spent a, about a week or so going through the interior of china and uh it was a really really amazing experience and we were in, in the, a few of these uh small towns where they really had never seen any americans before so um it was uh, really enlightening for me now for those who may not have followed uh, sports illustrated and and uh, the sports profession frank deford recently passed away but uh quite a byline uh, both uh in print and uh, on the air as as a sports journalist. Right, Frank was uh, was quite a uh, quite a person. So, uh, in addition to Sports Illustrated uh, travel, you have traveled uh, to quite a few places for workshops and and other projects. Uh, some of those that uh, can be seen on on your website, um, Sienna for the uh, the Palio, the, uh, the famous horse race, uh, the Galapagos, Argentina. You've uh, you've been to. Havana, uh, shooting some photography there. Uh, what, uh, as far as uh, as travel, uh, opening uh, your eyes to the world, what what do you recall as uh, memorable experiences among among those sorts of things? I well, the, the Palio definitely is uh, was a highlight for me. I went there two years in a row. Um, I, I waited. Uh, the first time I heard about the Palio had, had been like 28 years before that, and I. And so it was a long time coming by the time I got there, but it was it was definitely worth the wait. And I, I went to Siena, Italy, two years in a row, and photographed that event. Uh, you can see the images on the website. It's just an absolutely spectacular event. It's it's one that uh, I, I I was just thrilled that I was able to do. Uh, uh, another one that was was really up there was I went to um, uh, Japan. Uh, to do the Japanese World Series one year. I went with the writer Tom Verducci, and we went to cover the, the world, uh, Japanese World Series. And that was a great event because they are uh, a country of so passionate about their baseball. So that was, uh, that was a, a lot of fun. And so uh, it was like th there are no bad assignments uh, when you travel internationally for, for SI or, frankly, for anything. So, I mean, I, I enjoyed all of them. We were really... Um, we're really lucky and fortunate that uh, all of us on the staff were able to to um, go to these places. Uh, you know, another one was I went to uh, 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 
Russia with uh, the great pole vaulter Sergei Bubka uh, to photograph him in this little town of Donetsk, which was uh, about an 18-hour train trip out of Moscow. So, it, it oh, holy cow! Yeah, it was a quite a uh, quite an experience, and so uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of them. So. Uh, <laughs> Well, we'll we'll have to uh, have you back to get uh, to dig deeper into that. But we want to uh, we we have a uh, a lot uh, still to cover and and uh, not a lot of time. But let's move to other travel, not necessarily international. But you're involved in uh, something called the Lensman Project. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I got involved with uh, my friend uh, Ronnie Dunn, uh, who's uh, one half of the country duo Brooks and Dunn. Ronnie's a uh, just an amazing singer songwriter. Uh, photographer and so Ronnie and I have known each other for quite a number of years and we've started to work on some projects together uh, for him away from music um, with our with our project called the Lensman Project and we've, we're bringing a few other photographers in we have a gallery that we're gonna uh, display some work of other photographers um, and so Ronnie and I are having a lot of fun with it we're doing a few uh, personal workshops with people and uh, doing uh, one of our kind of passions for the two of us is we love to photograph rodeos. So we've been going out west for the last couple of years and photographing some rodeos out there, Cheyenne, Wyoming. We've been out there a couple of times, and uh, we've been out to Miles City, Montana, doing a rodeo out there. And so uh, we're just having a lot of fun with it. Ronnie's a, uh, uh, a very, very uh, accomplished photographer himself, and so uh, we're, we're just having a lot of fun with it. So uh, you can check out some of the things there. We have uh, uh, our lensmanproject.com. You can go there and, and, um, and read and see about some of the things that we're doing. I've, I've looked at some of those uh, photographs, and it's incredible, especially the rodeos, the the power of the still image of capturing uh, just a split second of, of uh, human emotion, uh, these riders on, on the back of these horses. And, you know, we all uh, have in, in our mind what, what a rodeo is. But then when you look at, it, at one of these images, uh, it, it really captures the essence of, of, of what's happening there. And, and the power of the still photograph is uh, is incredible. Well, I think that's the that's the beauty of still photography is what you do is you can capture all of that action and emotion in one frame, and uh, that's where I think that uh, uh, what I love about it. And so, uh, uh, obviously, there's a there's room for uh, video uh, as well as stills, but there, I think there's always going to be the uh, there's always going to be the beauty of the still image. Well, we need to uh, shift gears pretty quick here. We're uh, we're burning through time, but we're having a great conversation uh, with uh, Ron Madra about his photography. Uh, Ron, we're going to be um, uh, launching a World Affairs Council photography contest in 2019, and we thank you for signing on as the chief judge and helping us uh, organize how we should uh, run a photography contest. The the details of that will be uh, coming out in, in January, but we thank you for participating. Well, in thanks that. for asking me. And uh, we, we definitely want to talk about uh, uh, one of your passions is, is to uh, take uh, aspiring photographers uh, on, on workshops. And you've been to a number of places, but you, you and uh, Don Smith have uh, a series coming up, and, and uh, one in particular, the fall in the Scottish Highlands that uh, I think there's still some spots remaining. Tell us about these workshops and uh, what people can, uh, can expect if they get involved. Well, my friend Don Smith out in California has been doing these workshops for about 15 years. He's been very successful at it. And so Don asked me to uh, team up with him on a couple. We're doing uh, Patagonia uh, early next year. And then we're uh, very excited about one that we just came back. We just scouted the highlands of Scotland. And we're going to do a workshop there. We have a few spots left over. So if you're interested in... in uh, and photographing the, the Scottish Highlands, uh, please go to donsmithphotography.com. All the information that you need is there. And uh, Don and I would love to have you. It's going to be a great workshop. We're, we're photographing uh, areas of Glencoe, Isle of Skye, uh, Isle of Lewis and Harris. And so uh, if you want to enjoy uh, some great landscapes and landscape photography, um, we'd love to have you. And so uh, we're going to have some fun with that. And uh Come and join us. Well, I've seen uh, some of the pictures that you were posting on Facebook, and then uh, I took a look at Donald uh, DonSmithPhotography.com, where he uh, he has some of these uh, photographs that uh, you guys took in your scouting trip, um, 
it's just incredible. I've been to Scotland, and unfortunately, I never got up to Skye and, and some of the islands in the northwest. Uh, the Scottish uh, landscapes are, are phenomenal, but uh, the places you guys went were, were just incredible. Well, they're great. I mean, they're just, they're so photographic. And uh, one of the locations we're going to take everybody to is uh, Loch Ness. And with a little luck, we might be able to uh, get you, that one image of you. The, you might be the one. We might be the one. Yeah, we we scouted it, but unfortunately, we didn't. We weren't able to come back with that image. But you never know. We might be able to get it for you. Well, that's uh, that's a great opportunity. Again, if uh, if photographers are interested in uh, traveling abroad uh, with uh, Ron Madra and, and Don Smith, uh, there's your opportunity. These workshops uh, are on DonSmithPhotography.com. And uh, about the only advice I would offer is uh, dress warmly because uh, you never know. What would what, what, you say, Ron? The, uh, the weather is quite unpredictable. Uh, every, every season. In, in, every season in about five minutes. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's for sure. But uh, Scotland is, is a, a great experience uh, to, to travel to, and, and especially if your interest is in photography. There's, there's some incredible opportunities there. Uh, so again, that's DonSmithPhotography.com, and that's next. Uh, when is that, Ron? Next October. Next October, uh, a premium uh, experience. Uh, uh, everything is taken care of. You guys have set up the logistics and transportation and everything hotels. is all ready to go. Hotels, transportation, locations. All you have to do is get out of the van with your tripod, and have a great time. And we will point you in the right direction. Wow, I may need to clear my calendar. That. Uh that sounds uh, like a, a great opportunity. Well, we're about out of time. We're with uh, Ron Madra. We've been talking about photography, his experience as a uh, renowned sports illustrator photographer over 25 years and his legacy of 70 covers of SI, uh, his travel photography, the workshops uh, that he and Don Smith do, and we've uh, had a great conversation. I just want to leave with uh, a question for Ron to, to talk about the impact of traveling uh, internationally and, and learning about cultures and people and uh, expanding one's uh, horizons. You know, uh, you and I, Ron, have talked about uh, the legacy of Anthony Bourdain and and his ability to make the foreign familiar by uh, bringing people in uh, in their living rooms into uh, places far and wide. And, and I think uh, you and I share the, the same perspective that international travel uh, really brings home the, the idea that uh, we're all connected in, in one way or another. Well, I think that if you have an opportunity to do it, you, you, you really uh, should uh, do international travel and, and, and soak up as much culture of other uh, places as you can. I've, I've just really thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I think that going to these places, um, and, and again, Sports Illustrated afforded me the opportunity to go to, to many of these countries, and and so I think that it's just, um, I just I think that everybody to soak up the culture, and the people of, of other areas and other other countries is just it's it's just an opportunity uh, that you should ju- just not pass up. So I think it, I suggest everyone does it. Anthony Bourdain did it like nobody is ever going to do it again. So um, I think that uh, I. I invite everyone to try it if they can. Well, that's uh, that's a great endorsement. I'm not quite sure about the 18 hours on a Russian train, but uh, I'm, I suspect that had its uh, its highlights as as well as its uh, interesting uh, approaches it, to culture. It certainly did. We can talk about it some other time. <laughs> well, we've been uh, with uh, Ron Madra, and uh, we appreciate your time, Ron, and uh, best of luck with your okay. workshops. Thanks for having me. And thanks again for working with us on the uh, 2019 World Affairs Council uh, photography contest, and we'll have details uh, on that in January 2019. Uh, that does it for the first segment of uh, our Episode 9 podcast. Uh, stay with us after a short break. We'll be talking with uh, Lisette Diaz from the Sweet Lizzie Project, a band that uh, started in Havana, Cuba, is now based in Nashville, Tennessee, making great music, and we'll have a couple of tracks from the Sweet Lizzie Project as well as a very interesting conversation uh, with Lisette Diaz. So stick with us. This is the Global Tennessee podcast from the Tennessee World Affairs Council. You're listening to Global Tennessee from the World Affairs Council. We invite you to share your thoughts with us in email, info at tnwac.org. You can subscribe to the World Affairs Council newsletter on the website, tnwac.org. And you can like us on Facebook at Tennessee WAC as well as follow us on Twitter at TN 
WAC. Don't forget to tell your friends about Global Tennessee and the World Affairs Council. This podcast and other educational programs from the World Affairs Council are supported by you and our sponsors. Are you interested in supporting global affairs awareness in your community? Visit tnwac.org for more information. Welcome back to Global Tennessee. I'm Pat Ryan. Today we have a very special guest on the conversation section of uh, the Global Tennessee podcast. We're pleased to be joined by Lisette uh, uh, Diaz from the Sweet Lizzie Project. Welcome, Lizzie, to uh, Global Tennessee. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, today, uh, we're going to be talking with Lizzie about uh, her band, the Sweet Lizzie Project. It's a uh, rock band from Havana, Cuba, formed in 2013. Uh, the band currently consists of uh, five members, uh, Lisette, who is uh, lead vocalist, uh, Miguel Comas, lead guitar, uh, Angel Louis Millet on drums, uh, Alejandro Gonzalez on bass, and Wilfredo Gatel on the keyboard. Now, the group was formed when uh, Lisette met Miguel Comas, and the two collaborated on their unrecorded songs. And the success of their first album attracted the attention of other talented musicians. And in May of 2013, the Sweet Lizzie Project was officially launched. In 2015, the group released their first album, Heaven, which gained local and international popularity. In 2017, they were invited to perform on the PBS Havana Time Machine alongside the Mavericks in Havana. Uh, that gave them the opportunity to forge a relationship with Mavericks lead singer Raul Mallow, who invited them to Nashville, and uh, he was thoroughly impressed with their work, and he uh, gave them a recording contract and has helped them get established here in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Their latest album, Technicolor, is currently in progress in Nashville, and uh, it will be released in early 2019. Lizzie, welcome to uh, Global Tennessee. Thanks for joining us today. Yay! Well, uh, this is a departure from our usual conversation with uh, scholars and business people and Chamber of Commerce officials. Uh, we're, we're now expanding the Global Tennessee uh, uh, offering of uh, information on global affairs related to Nashville and, and to Tennessee with uh, international music, and we're, uh, we're very pleased to do that, so uh, we're happy to have you here. Let's uh, let's start with uh, your background in in Cuba, growing up and and becoming a musician, and uh, um, how you uh, you developed into uh, a lead vocalist in the, the Sweet Lizzie uh, project. Um, well, I was born in Havana, um, and uh, I I I always knew that I wanted to sing, but not like. A professional singer or, or having a band that was all um, that that all came like way later I started mm -hmm. biochemistry and molecular biology at the University of Havana because I wanted to be a scientist yeah I love science and molecular biology yes sir <laughs> very useful right now I'm using it every day <laughs> every day um, and then um, I, I started to take it like the singing part more seriously when I started writing my own songs. That was like my fourth year at the university. I met this this band of young musicians, and they they were just rehearsing, and and I started like participating in the the rehearsals, and I loved it. I was like, ooh, I should do this more often. <laughs> And that's how I um, started being interested in, in music and, and, and singing like, like professionally, like doing it every day. I started writing my own songs and when I had like two or three, I went to, to, to Miguel uh, through a friend. I met him through a friend and um, he loved my songs. So he produced uh, my first record. It was just me, not with the band, just me and Miguel. And it came out pretty good. I mean, in Cuba, they loved it. And if they if they loved it in Cuba, that's a big thing because it was a rock and roll album in English. That's that's complicated to digest in Cuba. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, we started, um, I mean, people started calling us because they wanted us to play at their places and and we didn't have a band so we gather all these people 
and and we formed the Sweet Daisy Project, 2013. When when did you start uh, singing and recording? That was sometime prior to 2013, I assume. Yeah, like November. Oh, in the same period. Same period, yeah, yeah. We just Miguel and I we met and. So and you started singing. Next thing you know, you had an album. Yes, yes. I I I woke up that day and I said, oh, I think I think I want to record an album. <laughs> now what? Now what sort of uh, infrastructure or support or uh, systems are available in in Havana for uh, prospective musicians to to get uh, connected with that kind of opportunity? Uh, zero, like in my case, I was I was not related to the music scene in Cuba. Mm-hmm. So and and I, and I I didn't come from any music school. Um, so I had nothing to do with with recording studios, record labels. Um, so I we just had a room with a few microphones, a computer, and that's it. And so it, Miguel liked your mu- your songwriting and. Said, let's uh, collaborate and, and get this done. Yeah, let's do it. It was that that's spontaneous. Now, Miguel was he a, already a professional musician? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. Okay. Yeah, he's been playing for years, like since he was like fourteen. Okay, so you were his discovery. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, I was. I went there. I remember that day. I went there with my guitar. I was. Yeah, I had a guitar thing since I was like fifteen because I love guitar just just for fun like mm-hmm. not not serious but yeah i went there i was shaking because i was like oh i gotta meet this guy and he's like huge and and then I'm, I'm just here with my two songs and i'm sure they are not good enough but that, that's okay <laughs> i'm just gonna do it and and then we became um good friends then we became a couple and we've been together since then oh excellent excellent yeah. Now you're, the first song you wrote, you you told me is sometimes. Yeah, that was the first song I, I sang in front of him that day. And, sometimes, and, and we're going to hear that. Can you tell us something about uh, the inspiration for the song and and how it came about? Yeah, it was <laughs> it was about a boyfriend I had before Miguel, <laughs> and uh, I was trying to end that relationship like forever, but I couldn't find the right moment to do it. Um, so yeah, that's. That's sometimes. That's the way it was born. Okay. Well, we're going to listen to sometimes right now. This is the Sweet Lizzie Project uh, performing the song Sometimes. Because I really know. Well, that was sometimes by uh, Sweet Lizzie Project, and we're here in the Global Tennessee Podcast uh, with Lisette Diaz, uh, the lead vocalist of the Sweet Lizzie Project, and she's talking about uh, the band's uh, creation in Havana, Cuba, and moving to Nashville, Tennessee, where they now are based and uh, continue to record and perform. Uh, Lizzie, uh, th- thanks again for being with us. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the transition from Havana to Nashville. How, how did that happen? Um, well, like a year and a half ago, like two years ago, um, PBS um, filmed a special show called The Havana Time Machine in Cuba. It was about the Cuban music scene, like different artists from different uh, genres of Cuban music. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, 
they were interested in the Sweet Lizzy project because it was different. It was rock and roll, and that's not the kind of music you ex expect from, from Cuba. Mm -hmm. Like when you um, think about Cuban music, you don't think about rock and roll, and not in English for sure. It's all about salsa and, and timba and some other like traditional Cuban music. So I guess that it was that that was kind of interesting from for, for them, and uh, they made us part of that show. Raúl Malo from the Mavericks, um, he was the host of of the of the show, and um, at, the, at the end of the show, it was it was a, a huge concert with all the that those artists and the band the Mavericks so that's how we met Raul Malo um, his his parents are Cubans so he's kind of he can relate to the whole Cuban thing because mm -hmm. of his roots sure mm -hmm. and uh, so um, th that's how we met he was starting this record label Monomundo recordings he's the president and um, he was very very excited about having a Cuban band as part as the first band uh, signed by the record label and uh, that's how we made it I mean that's how we got our first record deal a record deal that we never got in Cuba because the Cuban record labels are not interested in rock and roll um, well let's let's step back just a little bit how did how did your evolution in rock and roll happen if it was outside of traditional Cuban music um, because I, I know that's the kind of music I Did like. Did you listen to a lot of rock and roll growing up? Yeah, the Beatles, uh, Rolling Stones. Yes. Yep. Yes, and 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 I mean, there's a lot of people in Cuba who really love rock and roll. So rock and roll will change the world. And it w it was banned for a long time in oh, Cuba. Oh, was it? Oh yeah, you could go to jail for just having a CD of the Beatles in your house. So was the uh, the rock and roll music passed around on CDs or obviously not on the radio if it was banned? How how did you get uh, to listen to? Well, there was a long what time. What you were listening to? There was a long time ago, and through your parents or your family, they what, would have what years old records. What, what years? You're you're quite a young person to be saying a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> I think it was by like the eighties, maybe seventies. Okay, that that uh, no. When, when you started listening to it, what what era was was that? Oh, you mean when when I started listening yeah. to them? Oh, I was a kid. Yeah, I was a kid. What about what year? I don't know. I was nine. I'm trying not to ask your age. Or to, I'm I'm 27. <laughs> and I don't have a problem with my age. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was born 1991. Okay, mm. so so growing up as as a young person, you were listening to rock and roll on CDs that were being passed around. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. so so now fast forward to the the time frame when uh, Raúl Malo uh, yes. discovered you and was uh, interested in in a band from Havana that played rock and roll music. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. So he was interested in in our our music. We wanted to uh, do this album together, Technicolor, that we've been working on for a year now. Oh, two years because we, we started working and recording back when we were in Cuba. Now the only problem was get to Nashville, get out of Cuba. Not an easy thing. Not an easy thing because we need visas to go everywhere. Right. <laughs> yeah. And um, but it was it was okay. I mean we had this uh, opportunity. There was a record label behind us. Uh, so, so you had sponsorship and yeah. and uh, the Obama administration had opened the door for more exchanges yeah cultural exchange and then mm -hmm. that was great but but then Trump just closed the embassy so um so the door was closing mm -hmm. right we had the interview for to get our visas and like two days before uh the embassy just announced that they were not uh, doing more interviews so it was serendipity that you were discovered, and, and it was almost uh, a, a timing of consequence of politics that it almost didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Almost didn't happen. So we, we were like, okay, all right, we're, we're done. There's no way we can work from, from, from here, and how are we going to tour the album? How are we going to, to, to play in the United States mm -hmm. or any other? Yeah, so hopefully, I mean, luckily, we had a lot of friends 
at the embassy uh, in Havana because we had worked with them for a really long time and uh, they opened the embassy just for us. They did the interview and, and, and they gave us our visas. So that's how we came here. So thank you so much to all of them. <laughs> to yeah. the staff at the embassy. Yeah. Well, it was a uh, good consequence. We're, we're still in touch. We love them so much. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Well, good. That's terrific. That's a terrific story. So then you land in Nashville. And when was that? That was November 2017. Just over a year ago. Yes. Yeah. And what's happened since then? About a year ago. Um, well, we got here with uh, tourist visas. Uh, so we had to change our status to be able to work like legally. I hate attorneys. I hate paperwork. I hate all that. And, and, and we've been doing that for a really long time. One, one can only imagine, especially in the current environment where immigration yes. is uh, a contentious issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we've been to we've been through a lot of bad things. Like I don't like that. I I don't think that it should be that hard, especially when you have a reason to be here and you really, I mean, you want to work and you want to share just to share your music. Right, as artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's it's okay. We've 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 been very very lucky. So we got here, we changed our status, we became completely legal, and we've been working since. We've been touring coast to coast here in the United States. We um, finished the album. It's almost done, and it's beautiful. I love it. I, I'm very, I'm very proud of all the things we've done together. Um, it's been hard. We're missing home every single day, but um, we're we're happy. So is the plan to uh, to stay in Nashville? You say you're missing home. Is, is there any uh, talk about returning and recording from from Havana? Um, or is this your... We would love to go back to Havana. You know, we have a lot of friends and, and, and family there. But we have, we, we have a lot of work to do here. And uh, to us, it's not about the place where you live. It's, it's about the place where you do what you love. So if it's here in Nashville, then we have to be here. Yeah. Now, your previous album is titled Heaven. Is that right? Yes. And we're going to uh, listen to a cut from Heaven. Can you... Uh, and it's, it's the title song. You know. It's a title song. Tell us about that one. Um, well, I think that's a song Miguel wrote for me. He's, he's another songwriter in the band. It's mainly... Uh, him and I, um, yeah, he wrote it for me. I'm not. I'm not quite sure what, <laughs> what he wanted to say there. I'm, I'm not sure I wanted to find out because we <laughs> we have this kind of complicated relationship several times. So, but yeah, it's, I I love that song. Okay, well, we'll uh, we'll share that with our listeners, and we'll all discover together what me- <laughs> what, what special meanings there might be there. So this is uh, Heaven from the Sweet Lizzie Project, and we hope you enjoy it. Feel like 
Well, that was Heaven by the Sweet Lizzie Project, and we are here with Lisette Diaz, Sweet Lizzie, and talking about uh, the band's uh, transformation from Havana, Cuba to uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Lizzie, uh, tell us a little bit about some of the, the performances that uh, you've done here. I know you uh, one of your first performances was at Bluegrass Underground playing Inside a Cave. Tell us about that. Yes, that was our first gig here, like five months after after coming here while we were waiting for our change of, of status. And it was, yeah, it was, it was inside of a cave. We were the very first artists on that, that, on that stage. Now, that's a series that PBS does, uh, Bluegrass Underground. Bluegrass so Underground. So this is something that's been going on for years. Yes, and, but uh, this cave was new. Like they they changed the cave right this year, so uh, they have to they they build the cave from scratch. It was all dirt and and they they have they have to build it. They have to do the lights and the stage everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now our our good friend Todd Gerald is in, involved in the in the, pr- the production of of that whole enterprise. So I'm I'm familiar with it. It's um, and I've been to the old cave. And uh, it was quite a show there. I can't wait to go see what uh, they've done in the new location. So, so here you are, a band from Havana, Cuba, and somebody says, "Come play inside a cave." What were you thinking? <laughs> I was I was scared at the beginning because since it was new, I wasn't sure if if if, if it was safe. Yeah. Like if something if something goes wrong, I'm going to be the first one to know it. <laughs> <laughs> like a stone or something. Yeah. Um, you must have been thinking when someone suggested playing in a cave that maybe this was a joke. Well, um, when we met the Todds, both of them, Todd Gerald and Todd Mayo in Cuba, when they had the idea of the Havana time machine, I remember their, their business card was a picture of the cave, the old cave. Yeah. And uh, I was like, really? These guys have a show inside a cave. <laughs> that's that's weird. That's cool, but weird. <laughs> yeah, it, it was amazing. I love caves, like nature. So it, so it worked out. It, it worked. Yeah, and it was so cold and humid, but the the sound was like a recording studio. It wasn't this natural reverb, and it was like eight hundred people there. Terrific. I was well, so scared. We'll have to find that on uh, on the PBS uh, broadcast archive somewhere. Tell us about some of your other uh, performances. You've traveled uh, around the country, uh, Florida, Massachusetts, California. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? We went to Miami. That was very special for us because we have a lot of friends and family mm-hmm. in Miami. You know, that's full of Cubans. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and yeah, we went to California. We loved California, New York. We play at Long Island um, for it, it was a beach fest for um, Antigone Rising mm-hmm. that that band it was it was great and uh, we played Massachusetts this venue called the Indian Ranch we opened for the Mavericks a beautiful crowd and a beautiful lake I think it's it's the lake with the longest name in the United States. It's, I cannot pronounce it, <laughs> of course, but yeah, it was it was it was really cool. So you've gotten out to see some of America besides yes, Tennessee. Yes, good, good. and, I, and I'm, I'm I'm planning on going to all the states. And and you stopped in uh, New York City to see Times Square on the way back from Massachusetts. Is that right? Yes. After after looking for a parking lot for two hours, yeah, okay. we got to see the city. Did you have an idea what Times Square would would be like before you went? Did you have expectations? No, no, no. Well, I, I did have expectations because I've I've been listening to people saying that New York City is the best mm-hmm. all my life. But yeah, it's it's nothing compares to being there actually. Yeah, for sure. So what what uh, is ahead for you and the Sweet Lizzie project? You have the album coming out in early 2019 and. You said you're continuing to produce uh, videos. Yes, yes. Since we got here, we've been buying cameras and drones and you know equipment to make our own videos. That's something we've been enjoying a lot because, especially because it was something we wanted to do since we were in Cuba, but we 
we didn't have that and we couldn't rent cameras or sure. buy things um so yeah we've been doing that here and I, I think it's really cool that we're able to make our own videos because no one understands our our songs better than we do so um and yeah we're doing that and the album must be out it should be released early next year maybe it's spring um i can't wait to share it with everybody i've been listening to the songs over and over again and people say could you could you please give me the album and i'm like no i'm not i'm not allowed not yet not, not yet. yet you have to wait it, it's it's better to have some anticipation but you have uh, recorded uh, a number of videos and one of them is turn up the radio which was uh, recorded and uh, taped in Havana and tell us a little bit about uh, how that video was made it's it's kind of a special uh, uh, once you get that song in your head it, it just is stuck there for a long time yeah that song is it's a it's an English version it's not it's not an original song it's an English version of this um, Latin song that's called Subeme la radio and it was written by a Cuban uh, songwriter. That's a friend of ours. So it, it's a reggaeton song. We don't do reggaeton. We don't like reggaeton. But <laughs> we decided that we wanted, to, we wanted to do this English version and just see what happened. Well, we're going to share that with uh, our listeners. And, and you can also find in the podcast notes a link to the video of Turn Up the Radio. But for now, here's... Uh, the Sweet Lizzie Project and turn up the radio. That was Turn Up the Radio by Sweet Lizzie Project, and we're here with Lizzie, uh, Lisette Diaz, uh, the lead vocalist, and this is the Global Tennessee Podcast from the Tennessee World Affairs Council. Uh, Lizzie, we're, uh, we're closing out uh, this uh, segment of the podcast, uh, but wanted to mention that uh, the Sweet Lizzie Project has uh, booked uh, appearances for the 21st of December at City Winery in Nashville and the 29th of December at the uh, Blues and Boogie Bar in Printer's Alley in Nashville, one of my favorite spots because it's across the street from where I live, so it's a convenient uh, place to uh, turn out to. And I will be in the front row uh, definitely at, at that show. I can't uh, can't wait to hear the band live uh, at the Blues and Boogie Bar on the 29th. Well, what, uh, what would you like to share in closing comments with us about uh, your experiences in Nashville, the people that you've met here, uh, any other comments that you have about uh, being a Cuban rock band in Nashville, Tennessee? Well, um, it's been it's been very interesting. I mean, we've met new friends, we've met family, like people, beautiful people, and and extremely talented uh, musicians. I mean, we've been we've we've been able to share. Uh, our music and 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 thoughts and just spare time with very interesting, very cool uh, people, and um, this has been a new experience for all of us. I mean, we we've lived here things that we never imagined since you know getting our driver licenses, which really it seems like something really easy in Cuba. You don't have a car, so getting a driver license or a social security or bank accounts or those or all those uh things um and in the process we've met all these beautiful people so nashville's always going to be in a very special place in our hearts so thank you so much for for welcome uh sweet lizzie project uh, as part of the nashville community as part of the nashville family well, thank you for bringing the uh, the talent of your band uh, to Nashville. Uh, Nashville is a place that uh, 
is attracting musicians from around the world and and clearly uh, the Sweet Lizzie project coming to us from Havana is just one more gem in Nashville's collection of uh, great musicians and thank you for your time today on Global Tennessee and we look forward to hearing you and seeing you in the, the you. new videos and uh, best of luck. Thank you so much for inviting me. That's it for the uh, Global Tennessee podcast today. We appreciate uh, you listening, and you can find uh, our podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Also, uh, check the Tennessee World Affairs Council website for information about upcoming programs, uh, global town halls and global dialogue speaker series, uh, and other events that we uh, host for the community. You can visit all that at our calendar at tnwac.org. And remember, the Nashville, uh, uh, the Tennessee World Affairs Council is a nonprofit organization, and we rely on members and donors. So when you are on the website, please consider uh, making a gift or becoming a member to the World Affairs Council. That's it for this edition of uh, Global Tennessee. I'm Pat Ryan, and we'll see you next time. This has been Global Tennessee from the World Affairs Council in cooperation with the Center for International Business at Belmont University and the International Business Council of the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce. The executive producer of Global Tennessee is Patrick Ryan, senior producer Logan Monday, technical advisor Bill Ryan, and the voice of Global Tennessee as well as the Penn Jones conspiracy. I'm Benjamin Olson. Visit tnwac.org slash podcast for more information.